I uh, was sort of struggling for motivation about uh, what to say on the Exodus passage today, and I did what you do, and I listened to a lot of Mumford and Sons in my car. Um, if you don't know Mumford and Sons, you ought to know who they are because um, they're, they're just so worthy. It's an indie folk rock band. They're actually from England, but you would have guessed they're like from the Appalachian mountain range. Um, and their lyrics um, are, are faithful and often steeped in, in Shakespeare. Um, a lot of quotes from, from Shakespeare. But they, the reason it's, it's worthy is they're often exploring human brokenness. Um, it, the songs are often like a, an act of confession, probably by the chief songwriter Marcus Mumford, who's their lead singer. Um, and there's one song, uh, the, the, their first album is called Sigh No More, and the first song on that album is Sigh No More. And um, I was thinking about this passage from Exodus and listening to this song in my car, and listen to just this line, or these couple lines from the song, Sigh No More. It says, Sigh No More, No More, One foot in sea, one on shore, My heart was never pure, You know me, But man is a giddy thing, Man is a giddy thing. He says over and over again, and this is the quote from Shakespeare. I can't remember what play it's from exactly. Um, but giddy here in terms of Shakespearean English doesn't mean like ha ha ha, like we think giddy. Um, but giddy meaning fickle or unpredictable, unsure. Man is a fickle thing, an unpredictable thing, an unsure thing. Humans are giddy, you know, in, in this sense. And one foot on sea, one on shore, you know, bifurcated. Uh, my heart's half in it, but half of it's not. Um, so sigh no more, no more, one foot in sea, one on shore. My heart was never pure. You know me, but man is a giddy thing. Man is a giddy thing. And I bring this in uh, because of the uh, golden calf incident, um, which we had in the Exodus passage today. By the way, just as an aside, I've been preaching on Exodus here, and I hope you appreciate that there's like a continuity of readings I'm trying to explore Exodus as we have it, and I might continue to do that with other books. I don't know if I will, but here um, in Exodus, we have the golden calf incident. Israel has become giddy in the Shakespearean sense. Um, one foot in sea, one on shore. Um, their hearts never pure, just as Marcus Mumford might say. And, and this is all despite the recent history, remember, of the miraculous provision and intervention of the, the plagues in Egypt to um, help get them out of Egypt, um, um, to send a message to Pharaoh, and then the escape from Egypt with the parting of the Red Sea, the provision of, of water and food from heaven and the rock, and also military assistance in battle. Uh, and then finally, given the, the covenant of law and um, with the, the smoke and the, the thunder and all the theatrics. Um, and I preached on that last week about the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law. And remember what I said, that the law is absolute. You know, this is what God gave to them. And the first one is, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt recently. Remember, hey, by the way, um, have no other gods but me. That's the first one. This is an absolute law, as all of them are. And so when, after I preached the sermon, someone gave me a gift um, of this book that says, Exceptions to the Ten Commandments. No. It's completely blank, which I thought was hilarious. 
It's only three ninety five. I thought about buying a hundred of these and using them as journals because it's blank. <laughs> but it's true. Exceptions to the Ten Commandments. None. It's absolute. The law that he's just given them. And then God calls Moses to the mountain again and Israel quickly moves on. Um, after all of this, they've grown impatient and anxious and they want to control things. You know, I mean, uh, even with God in their midst, they want to control things by, by creating their own um, idol that they call their God. They ask their priest, Aaron, to fashion um, this new God for them. And they even say this is an image of, of God who brought us out of out of uh, Egypt. Um, so it's kind of a strange thing um, that they would create these idols but also refer to it as, as that same God, but it's still problematic. There's another commandment about that. Don't make any graven images of me. So they've broken two laws here, actually. So why is man, or you could say Israel, such a giddy thing? Why are we such giddy things? And, and remember that meaning of fickle or unpredictable. Um, when uh, in seminary and training for ordination, most people have to do what's called clinical pastoral education, uh, CPE is the, um, the abbreviation, and it's like a, usually a three-month summer internship in a hospital full-time being a chaplain. And I did this in a VA hospital, and my, my supervisor, who really challenged me on a lot of things, I came to love him and appreciate him and respect him, but in the beginning, I really kind of pushed back on a lot of the things he said because it was so brand new to me. And one thing he would say, um, and, and this came up, uh, I, I had this visit with this man and all he wanted to talk about was weightlifting. And I couldn't relate. He just wanted to talk about pumping iron, you know. <laughs> and here he was lying on the, the hospital bed, I think probably from a, like a hernia or something. <laughs> um, and all he wanted to talk about was pumping iron. And I, and I couldn't relate. And talking about this with my uh, CPU, CPE supervisor, he said, first of all, Matt, you don't need to relate. That's not the point, to find common ground. But the thing is, with all patients, you need to find what their God is. And I thought this was problematic. I was like, you're asking me to engage in idolatry. But he said, no, like, you need to find every man has a God. And it's often not the God, and you need to find out what they are and engage them in that. So you need to go there. You need to talk to him about weightlifting. And eventually, you might actually get to a place where you're able to speak to him about the true God. Um, but you can't do that until you engage him in his paganism first, basically, which is, you know, um, uh, pumping iron, weightlifting, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and for you, it might be something else. Or for the other hundreds of people that I met, in the hospital. And so the conclusion I came to is he's absolutely right, is that we are all pagans. Every human being, without exception, is a pagan. Um, and, and for that reason, I will also say on the flip side, there's no such thing as an atheist. I mean, I've called myself in the past an atheist, and that's kind of a statement. Um, but I do believe that there's actually no such thing as an atheist because all people have gods um, that they. Um, whether or not it's the God, it might be another God, or a God that they fashion for themselves or pour their energy into. And this could be ideas or people or material possessions, often material possessions. Just listen to what Jerry Seinfeld said recently. And, and I don't need to introduce who Jerry Seinfeld is. He uh, recently won a Clio Award. Do you know what the Clio Awards are? They're given uh, in the advertising industry. Um, 
I was trying to, I just saw the clip online. I was trying to find out why he won this award and I couldn't uh, because it's just, they, they keep, everything I find is excerpts of what he said in the video because it's so good. But I don't know what he won the award for. I think it might be for this online show that he has right now. If you haven't seen it yet, it's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's so good. And it's, uh, it's sponsored by Acura, and there's often an, a product placement in the show. And he's so obvious about it. They'll just be walking down the street, and he'll say, there's my product placement. There'll be an Acura. I think that's probably why he won the award. I could be wrong. But so he won this Clio Advertising Award, and he just uh, he, uh, totally criticizes the ad industry on stage at this uh, award ceremony. Just listen to what he says. And, and, and I'm relating this to idolatry, remember. Uh, and you have to, I can't affect a Jerry Seinfeld sort of demeanor. I would just be uh, doing him a disservice. But you have got to imagine when I'm reading this, that it's like, hey, you know, what's with advertising? You know, that, that kind of <laughs> attitude that he has, okay? In advertising, everything is the way you wish it was. I don't care that it won't actually be like that when I actually get the product being advertised because in between seeing the commercial and owning the thing, I'm happy. And that's all I want. <laughs> Tell me how great the thing is going to be. I love it. I don't need to be happy all the time. I just want to enjoy the commercial. I want to get the thing. We know the product is going to stink. We know that because we live in the world and we know that everything stinks. We all believe, hey, maybe this one won't stink. We are a hopeful species. Stupid, but hopeful. Because in a brief moment of happiness, uh, because a brief moment of happiness is pretty good. I also think that just focusing on making money and buying stupid things is a very good way of life. I believe materialism gets a bad rap. It's not about the amount of money. Nothing's better than a big pen, a VW Beetle, or a pair of regular Levi's. If your things don't make you happy, you're not getting the right things. <laughs> this will all be in my new book, Soulful, Soulful Materialism, which is in planning stages at this moment. Um, and he's saying this uh, to a bunch of ad executives, you know? Um, <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award, hey. Um, uh, he's... He's totally right. I mean, he's so, the thing about Jerry Seinfeld is he completely gets the human condition. And, uh, and, the, and the thing he says here at the end is, is true. If we're thinking about idolatry, if your things don't make you happy, you're not getting the right things. Um, and yet we still watch the commercials and think, hey, that, that's probably, you know, there's this, there's this new Gillette razor with this swiveling head that I keep seeing at Target. I don't know if you've seen it. They have the machine, and I think that's probably going to be better than the Mach 3. Um, but it probably won't be. You know, they'll probably come out with something with 17 razors eventually, and so my appetite for razors will never be satiated in the way that I think it will be. And so the problem, as Jerry Seinfeld and, 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 um, and God and Moses and, and me right now recognize it. And as Paul said in Romans, is that the, the wages of sin is death. And, and basically, idolatry is sin. And all sin is basically idolatry. So you could say the wages of idolatry is death. And maybe not in uh, a real sense, but definitely in a soul, spiritual, heart, and mind sense, the wages of sin or idolatry is death. Israel, at this point, with the golden calf worship and the sacrifices, as God recognized and told to Moses, they were headed for self-destruction. 
with this golden calf worship. Um, the idols, um, as, uh, as Marcus Mumford says later in the same song, these idols will betray, dismay, and enslave you. These idols will betray, dismay, and enslave you. Um, but uh, uh, the true God will not. Um, and so what is, I ask you today, your idol factory right now? You know, this evening, 5.30 p.m. on October 12th, what is your idol factory? And, and the common idols this day and age often relate to something like control. Just as the Israelites were trying to control the situation um, or these products that we often consume we're trying to control something or it might be just a relationship in your life that you're trying to control or another big thing right now is just performance you know um, performance at everything not just profession or athletics or weightlifting but even like parenting for example I'm noticing that often um, people are comparing you know notes or comparing each to each other or or seeing someone saying, I'm not as good as that mother. You know, I don't perform as well as they do. Um, or often idols, you know, when it comes down to it, have something to do with economics or wealth. You know, that's the material aspect. Whatever it is for you, the problem is these things often lead to great, great anxiety uh, because they're not cutting it. Uh, and I can also ask, likewise, who are your priests? You know, just as Aaron fashioned the, the golden calf for the Israelites, you know, who's fashioning the golden calf for you? You know, it might be some ad on television or someone you know or the internet, you know, for God's sakes, uh, don't read the blogs, you know. Um, they're often just priests that are fashioning golden calves for us. And the thing is, you cannot serve God and another God. You cannot serve two or more gods. You, you know, as the Bible says, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's exactly it. You can't have one foot on sea and one on shore. Uh, your heart will never be pure as a result. It, it will actually kill you. The wages of sin is death. Whatever that means for you, idolatry will not feed our appetites. It's an empty set. You know, the, the razor today... It's going, to be, it's going to be a different razor in three years that Gillette's going to come out with or, or whatever it is. But thankfully, even though we are giddy things, God is not a giddy thing. Uh, even though we move on quickly after much provision, you know, just as the Israelites had such miraculous provision, perhaps God has provided for you in your life and it's so common. I know I see this when I feel like God is answering prayer like two hours later, even sooner. You know, I can, my heart can move on. You know, who, what God? Uh, you know, um, I forget about it, but God doesn't move on. He doesn't abandon Israel and he doesn't abandon us. And as the passage in the translation we had tonight says, God repents. Did you see that? Um, wow. Um, the common Modern translation now is God changed his mind. You know, God is not a sinner, so he doesn't need to repent in the way that we do, but he changed his mind about Israel. Rather than destroying them, because the Ten Commandments have no exceptions, he changed his mind um, and put his wrath aside. Um, so let me just uh, read one more line from that song, Sigh No More, because herein lies some good news. Love... It will not betray you, dismay, or enslave you. It will set you free. 
love, it will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free. Well, if God is love, then God will not betray, enslave you, or dismay you, but he will set you free in ways that these false idols cannot. And this is the work of the cross. Um, God did not abandon us. He actually sent his son uh, as an act of love for us. Rather than uh, turning his back on us, he turned around towards us to save us. And to finish that line from St. Paul, and I'll end my sermon with this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.